When it comes to self-care, the reality is that we need to know ourselves first. What do you like? What don't you like? What helps you reset best? What stresses you out? What calms you down? What helps you feel balanced? What can you add or release from your life today that will help serve you best? By knowing yourself first, you will be better able to understand what self-care practices would serve you the best. We are all spending more time alone or isolated with our families now more than ever, with stresses, noise, expectations, and less freedom to participate in the activities that help us reset. Welcome to The Safe Haven, a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life. Lise Wilcox is a transformational mindset and success coach who helps high potential women courageously become the version of themselves they can't stop dreaming about. A passionate speaker, dynamic thought leader, author, NLP practitioner, top podcast host, cancer survivor, mom of three, and taco enthusiast, her entire experience has been about coming home to her truest self and to call herself beloved knowing intimately that changing the world starts by making the changes we want to see within ourselves first. Self-care really starts with self-love, and this conversation with Lise Wilcox helps highlight many of the ways that you can prioritize yourself. My name is Lise Wilcox. I am a transformational mindset and success coach. What I do is I help people radically transform the relationship they have with themselves. And what that looks like in the end is it has this incredible high impact ripple effect on literally every area of their life from business, life, love, relationships, whatever it is. When you get really clear on the relationship you have with yourself, everything else gets easier. That's really powerful. Thank you. And how long have you been doing this? Um, I mean, unofficially, probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. Officially, probably four years. Yeah. And very, very hyper-focused and concentrated, more like two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I just keep refining, you know, as we always are, we're always growing and evolving. As mm-hmm. I grow and evolve, and I get so much more comfortable and aware of what my real strengths and gifts are. And I see more of an immediate effect in my clients' lives. I keep refining my message and honing my business. And it just keeps getting like more and more laser focused on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You also do group or you facilitate group work, which is really interesting too. Do you find that there's a lot more success for people that are participating in group learning and group workshop type than one-on-one or is it, I guess, dependent on the person? Yeah, it's totally dependent on the person. And, you know, when I've run group sessions in the past, they also have been wildly successful. Mm -hmm. I tend to attract awesome people, right, who are ambitious, who are motivated, who've probably already accomplished a lot in their lives and something just feels like, ah, like it doesn't feel quite right and I don't really know what that is and I need help getting there. That's the kind of person that comes to me, period. Mm -hmm. And so when you get those people in a group, you know it's going to be a good vibe group because everybody's there for their own reasons, but all those reasons support the the reasons and the growth for everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very cool dynamic. Um, and that said, like it's it's a it's amazing because when you witness healing, you are healed. And there's so much to be said for the like we have this deep condition of the human experience. It's like, but I feel like I'm all alone. Like I can't mm-hmm. talk about this because yeah. it's like, no, you're never experiencing anything in isolation ever, ever, ever. Somebody's always feeling the exact same way as you are, but we don't know that because we bury our feelings under shame. So that's really powerful about group. The one-on-one experience though is literal magic. You know, like my clients all call it magic. I have a word for it that I call emotional alchemy, but working with me one-on-one really takes people to this crazy cool place. I'm really intuitive by nature, but I also have, you know, a ton of education behind me. So we use elements of NLP, EFT, pop psychology, just like being a kind person, being an observant person and being a person with a lot of life experience. All of that translates into this really really high impact one-on-one experience that is like unparalleled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Toot, toot. Let me just toot that Yeah, I was just going to say like, bit. if I actually had a horn girl, I would toot it for you because it's really good. 
<laughs> it's, it's just incredible. And uh, so pre-recording, you and I had talked about the importance of leadership right now and about how you are in a role as an influencer, but mm-hmm. also as someone who has dedicated their life and has found purpose in helping people be their best selves mm-hmm. and yes. and find their best selves. And you facilitate they well, they essentially do the work, but you help them facilitate that growth, which is such a beautiful yep. thing. What would you say that your mega aspects are in your own life to maintain that sense of leadership? Uh, a lot of blinders. I I am very, very confident in who I am and what I have to offer. Mm-hmm. And that also means that I, I don't look at what a lot of other people around me are doing because it doesn't matter. You know, like it doesn't matter to me what my quote unquote competition is doing or what other people are doing in mm-hmm. this space because that doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve my clients. So I think that's how I like preserve or protect that is that I really focus on what my message is, but you basically, you have to come home to yourself and we got to remove all the layers and remove all the masks of other people's storylines and other people's expectations. Well, I walk the talk, man. So in my own life, I've removed all the layers. I've Mm. removed all the masks and I keep removing more as they come up. But what that means professionally is that like, I am unapologetically me because I also am teaching people how to be unapologetically themselves. Mm-hmm. You also have a mega role as a mom of three, that yeah. in itself, right? And three girls. Yeah. I mean, you are the model for them in their lives. Yeah. It's pretty special. <laughs> Do they inform your practice? That's a great question. It, I think about this a lot. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship, I guess, because mm-hmm. had I not had children, I don't know that I would have hit the cracking point of this, like, you need to wake up from your own life. I don't know that I would have experienced that. So in that way, absolutely, they've informed my life. When I look at, um, you know, I was somebody who grew up in a super emotionally abusive household. So like, when I look at my own life and how I spent, I don't know, 30 years or so trying to minimize who I was and take mm-hmm. up as little space as possible yeah. and, you know, like, never speak up, then I, I look at that differently. Because Going into parenting, I think people expected that I would be that kind of a parent, that I would be overbearing or that I would just run away and like not at all. What happened in my parenting was that I just respect my kids so much for being who they are and that constant like reinforcing of, yeah, just like be yourself, man, um, mm-hmm. is amazing because I real I, I look at how well-adjusted my kids are. And then I apply that back to my adult clients. And I'm like, okay, cool. So where's the lesson that these adults didn't get? How do I help my kids achieve that? Now, um, I'm not naive. I also know my kids' experience is their experience. And although I have a lot of great information to share with them and a lot of wisdom to share with them, that's all I can do. I'm just their guide. I'm not here to control their life. And that's been kind of its own learning experience. Because when you heal from something, you just want to give that gift to somebody. Be like, hey, here are all the mistakes I made. Mm-hmm. Here's what you don't have to do. Mm-hmm. Kids actually don't need that. They're here as their own soul, with their own purpose, with their own mistakes to make, mm-hmm. their own failures to have, mm-hmm. and their own lessons to pull out of it. Yeah. I can't do that for them. Yeah. You mentioned that your girls helped you wake up. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, you bet. Um, there was uh, So I have a book coming out very, very soon, and this is like its own chapter in the book. But there was a moment where, you know, we had moved. I was married at the time. We had moved out of Toronto. We had three kids in two years. We had this giant, epic, like seven-bedroom century home with a ton of land. I could see Lake Ontario from the yard. It was just like it was over-the-top beautiful. And everything about our lives looked perfect from the outside. Mm-hmm. And so there was this like real poignant moment where I, I remember I was lying on the carpet in our living room and my beautiful children, like healthy, smart, like these wonderful engaged kids are beside me. And, you know, my beautiful husband's in the kitchen. He's making me a a latte on our like $1,200 espresso maker. And I'm looking around and I see this beautiful kitchen we've just renovated with, you know, 60 square feet of Carrera marble and an exposed brick wall. And I remember lying there with this pervasive feeling of sadness and then like followed quickly by shame and feeling like, oh my God, 
how is this not enough for me? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the, I think you've probably experienced this in your, in your own life, but you get that little download. You know, I think it's a little mm-hmm. nod from God. Some people say universe, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter. I got that download and that download or that answer was like, this is not enough for you mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you are not enough for you. And it was in that moment of like, Oh no, (laughs) I've been reaching for this stuff. And you know, the void is just so big. And every time I fill it with something else, it gets bigger and I feel sadder. So I knew at that moment I had to take a different approach. And that was this wake up point of like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? You know, I've said all the right things. I've done all the right things and I don't feel happy. And all of the the systems I've put in place, all of the things I've been reaching for, all the ladders I've been climbing to make me feel happy, they aren't working. So I think it's time for some radical change. And I always describe that as the waking up moment. And, and I know that, that was definitely accurate of my own life. And I have watched that happen in my clients' lives too, because mm-hmm. that's when people t- tend to come to me. They're like, I just feel like there's something more than this. And I have no idea right. what it is. Did you feel like that had been a feeling that was growing? You'd brought an awareness to it earlier on. It just wasn't to the point where it was like, Lee's like, come on, girl, wake up. Well, yeah. And I think that, you know, I think I'd had this really old pervasive feeling of sadness. And it's like, I would look back at my life and I'd be like, well, my mom left and I was a baby. Like, no wonder I'm sad. Well, you know, my other parental stuff happened and like, no wonder I'm sad. Right. And then as I'm sure, again, you already know this from your own life, that when you need to learn a lesson, the message keeps getting louder and yes. louder and louder and more dramatic until you take that courageous act of, of dealing with it and of addressing it. And so I think that moment in particular for me was like enough, like you, now you have to do something about this because if you don't, this is just going to get harder as you go along. I think interestingly, you know, cause we're re- recording this during um, lockdown of COVID. Um, I, I, you know, I have this, big visual of the hamster wheel just stopped guys. And when the hamster wheel stops, suddenly you realize, oh my God, I've actually been running in place for how long I've been sleepwalking through my life for how long when you're, when you've been going through the motions for so long and the motions just stop, suddenly you're confronted with the reality of like, how did I get here? Where am I going? Mm -hmm. And like, how come this doesn't look like I thought it was going to look? I, that makes me want to ask the question, have you mm. found a spike in clients reaching out or a drop in that? A spike. Okay. Because yeah. because having had a very similar conversation about how you can give back to the community or those mm. around you, how you can use your services to spread light, bring up people's morale right now, how many people are actually just really struggling with being and may not know that they have resources available. So to know that people can reach out and be like, Lisa, I need your help. You know, this is where I'm at. It's just, it's almost liberating in a way to know that there are resources out there. It's just that you have to reach out for them, that they're not going to come to you. Absolutely. You, you have an education background, right? Mm -hmm. And I forget what specifically, what area that is. Is there any chance it's science? got geography and social sciences and humanities. <laughs> okay. Okay. So maybe, you know, the principle of like, it's one of the Newtonian laws of physics that a body at rest remains at rest yeah. unless a force has acted upon it. Right. Yeah. Guess what? We are subject to the laws of physics. <laughs> and if you like nothing changes, if nothing changes, if you stay where you are at, and you don't do anything about it, that is totally your choice. Mm -hmm. You are welcome to keep sleepwalking through your life. You are welcome to keep avoiding stuff. You are welcome to keep not feeling, and you're welcome to keep numbing it out with your drug of choice, whether that's shopping or sex or drinking or whatever it is, like Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Unless you take action, nothing will change. And what has been fascinating to me uh, as an observer and as a coach in this space right now, for the first two weeks, people were freaking out coaches I knew they were like what are we going to do about this like we did not recession proof our businesses and then there was this collective spike and hang on a second that was all fear talking every single coach I know who's legit and I only mean the legit ones I do not mean the ones who are fluffy mm-hmm. the legit high impact high value coaches that I know and work with and respect all of them are showing up in a way that we have never shown up before. And that every single person has, has like 
been very open about like, yep, signed another client today. Yep. Signed another client today. Yep. Just signed out a masterclass. Or it's like, People are hungry for help and they're mm-hmm. hungry for information. Mm-hmm. And now the real leaders in this space, which toot toot, I would include myself, yes, are like, of course, we're showing up for clients and for new clients and for people and for our communities in general, like we've never done before because there's never been this kind of a dramatic need for it before. You know, mm-hmm. suddenly it's like, oh my God. People are hurting and they don't know what to do about it because so many people think that that's how they're supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. You know, well, you've been married for 10 years. Of course, you're going to stop having sex. Well, you know, this is just what it's like. Of course, it's going to be hard to run a business and as a parent, of course, it's going to feel out of whack. You know, there's some truth to that. Like, of course, there's a lot going on, but it doesn't mean that you're supposed to feel like crap. Mm -hmm. You're not Mm -hmm. supposed to feel like crap. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to feel good. You're supposed to be able to feel like you can just show up as yourself. And so few of us know that that's a reality, that we're allowed to ask for what we want. So few of us are comfortable in asking to have our own needs met. And what we do, because we've done this for the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years, is we just keep putting ourselves on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And you know, eventually, when you leave that pot on the back burner, it's going to boil over or it's going to get burned. And like ourselves are no exception. When you keep not prioritizing yourself, it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. And so I think from my own observations, you know, the past three, four weeks, people have been like, oh my God, I can't, I cannot use the same systems or the same coping mechanisms that I've been using because now I can't get out of my house to meet my girlfriends. I can't just meet somebody Mm -hmm. for coffee. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm at home. My partner's here or I'm working on my own. My kids are here or I'm totally by myself. Like I'm single and I don't have any kids. And like all the stuff I was doing before isn't working. There has been a collective wake up call that's like, I need something needs to change. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. So I'm going to reach out to the person I've been following on Instagram for two years because I really connect with her and love her vibe. And I know she can help me. That is absolutely happening on mass right now. Mm-hmm. I just wrote down the word authenticity and I have two questions that have just come to my mind about authenticity. Mm-hmm. So one is, how would you encourage? others to live in their authenticity when they are struggling to do so? Well, that's a huge question. Can you ask me that again so I can oh, certainly, yeah. answer it more succinctly? Of course. How would you encourage others to live in their own authenticity? So very simple answer, which is also a very complicated answer. You decide to. And, mm, you know, okay, I love that. That's the starting point. Mm-hmm. It's the decision that you're going to show up as yourself. Yeah. That's a great answer. Like you say, it is so complex, but it's also (laughs) so simple. It's like, okay, great. Because then there's so many things like, okay, but now how do I decide to do that? And I mean, I'm actually not a person that has a um, a hard time living in my authenticity. Now I have in the past. I definitely have. I've suppressed a lot of who I am and my energy levels. And it's actually this this lockdown thing, this whole COVID-19 pandemic Mm. thing, a lot of people have reached out and they're like, Amanda, you're such an extrovert. How are you dealing with this? It's like, guys, I'm actually not. (laughs) So it's like, whether it's a 60, 40, or even sometimes a 70, 30 to introvert, extrovert, my extroverted Uh side is very extroverted. However, Uh my introverted side (laughs) needs to be alone and I need quiet and I need to just dig into Uh myself and my quiet what I need to read a book, to listen to podcasts, to write in my journal, to meditate, to do yoga <laughs> by myself. And and so I think that that's been a big surprise, but I really think that that decision has been something that I've slowly been trying to figure out. And then once I finally, it was a year and a bit ago, I finally was like, this is ridiculous. You know, I, <laughs> I cannot pretend to be something that I'm not or deprive myself of things that I need in my life and a lot Mm -hmm. has to shift in that process and then I look at the last year of my life I'm like oh my gosh that was so fun I'm gonna keep doing this again and again and again Mm -hmm. right on and my other question had to do with what about authenticity in your leadership what makes your leadership super authentic Um, I (laughs) signed a client recently who came to me and literally said I'm only working with you because I don't think you're like any other coach I've ever met. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like The funny thing um, is, is I already know the answer to this because I know you, but I need my listeners to know. <laughs> you know, there's some, we live in a very jargon 
world, right? And we want, and I, and I know our brains are designed that our brains want systems, our brains want charts and like um, ability of flow. Like our, our brains just want tiny, compact pieces of information, yeah. right? So when people work with a coach, they want to hear what are your what's your five step approach to success, and you know what are my three takeaways? And it's like, oh God, I don't function like that at mm-hmm. all. And so when I for a long time, I tried to create a coaching practice around that. I'm like, okay, what's my 12 week offering going to be? What's my, like, what's my gold, medium, silver, whatever levels of coaching going to be? And I was like, oh my God. Also, can I swear on this podcast? Of course you can. <laughs> so suddenly I was like, fuck it. Yeah. I, that's not me. That's not me. Yes. I have to refine my messaging a little bit because people mm-hmm. have to know what they can actually like buy from me or yes. how they can work with me. They need to know what problem I'm going to help them solve. But overarchingly, when I do my own thing and show up as my deeply genuine self, mm-hmm. that's when I have a lot of clients. When I try to do something that I'm supposed to do, because every other coach in the world does it, that's when I fail. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what sets me apart. I am who I am and I'm, <laughs> I'm really comfortable with it, but I'm getting better about articulating that message in terms of like how, how I specifically can support you to get to where you want to be. We, we're not going to deep dive into the story, like the autobiography or biography of Lee's, today, <laughs> but I mean, you do have a significant series of stories that have put you to where you're at right now. And you're mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier, your life experience has put you in the place to be able to help others in a leadership role to mm-hmm. help them facilitate their own growth and healing for sure. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about narratives. Mm. What have some narratives been for yourself that you have broken away from or have reframed and changed in your own life? They're, they're so intense. And it's, it's so funny because when you ask me that, like if you had asked me this two years ago, mm-hmm. I would have cried. You know, five years ago, I wouldn't even even been able to answer. Like our healing happens and we evolve and we just keep evolving, right? Mm-hmm. So my my two greatest challenges have been um, self-worth and perceived unlovability. And that has been like when you strip everything back to it, those were my root causes. You know, um, I was literally told for a long time by many people, many people that I just wasn't worth it. And that that narrative came up over and over and over again. And it was by the fourth time when I actually heard my like, man, I thought we were the best of friends. And when, when she even started to allude to like, I, you've had your time, you know, it was your time to shine and now it's mine. I just don't think you're worth it. I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, why have I heard those exact words Mm -hmm. like seven times in my life? And the other one was this perceived unlovability. And, you know, a part of my story is that I, I had breast cancer a couple of years ago. I finished treatment, which included aggressive chemotherapy for four months and a, and a radical mastectomy. Like I have no breasts anymore. I went flat. And it was in that experience that I remember, you know, I am a single woman. And I remember thinking like, why am I, why am I fighting this treatment? Like, I know chemo is going to save my life. I know removing my breasts is the right thing to do. So how come I'm fighting this so hard? And again, you know, you have those conversations that's come to Jesus moments and the message from this dark, shadowy, very, very frightening place was if you couldn't manage to land a man at 5'10 with long, wavy, blonde hair and double D tits, how the hell are you going to find a man now? And it was that Mm -hmm. seedy, and it was that dirty and it was that in my face. And I yeah. was like, oh, my God, I'm not afraid of losing my hair. I'm afraid I'm never going to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, like, going through that, like, confronting that narrative was so hard and so freeing because it's it's so not true. But it felt so true because it was a story I've been telling myself for, like, what, 36 years. Mm-hmm. That's, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> there's yeah, a lot yeah. to unpack. I'm sitting here like, whoa. Yeah. And, it's, it, and I already know a lot of your stories. I've heard about, you know, so many different areas of your life. And it still gets me every time just to think that to know you where you're at. And I obviously didn't mm-hmm. know you before breast cancer. I didn't know you mm-hmm. before your divorce, before your marriage, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So to even hear the unlovability, I really believe that that is something that so many people struggle with. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. To relate it back to another conversation that we've had is mm-hmm. when you think of the things, when you are still to allow things to come up 
when mm-hmm. you are under stress, but you are unable to really move or to change things or to do the things that you believe define you as who you are, mm-hmm. the things that come up can be so damn confronting. And so yep. many of us have just learned to suppress as opposed to work through. It's not about getting mm-hmm. over. It's about working through and it's about deep Absolutely. diving into why you feel a certain way or, or why your thought patterns are the way that they are. But what do you think prevents people from asking for help? Uh, Great question. I think, I don't know. I I think it's probably just fear. Mm -hmm. You know, fear is so powerful and it has deep psychological roots. You know, our, our subconscious mind is designed to protect us from danger. And when it perceives danger in our environment, it alerts us with a fear response, which we experience as fight, flight or freeze, right? Mm -hmm. So if the belief held, like deeply held at the subconscious level is that I am not worthy of love. I'm not, not lovable. I'm not worth it. Nobody's ever going to love me. I'm never going to feel the way I think I want to feel. If that's my belief subconsciously, and then I consciously am like, but I don't want to feel like this anymore. Yes, I feel like that, but I don't want to feel like it. So what I want to do is change that. So what I'm going to do is find the right coach. I'm going to like confront this, you know, money is another big one. I, you know, I grew up, maybe somebody grows, grows up poor. They don't have any money or they grow up resenting people with money, whatever that money story is. They hold that deeply at a subconscious level. They don't think they're worthy of making any money. They don't think they're worthy of spending money or having nice things. They don't think it's for them. So then when they're like, but I don't want to feel like this anymore. So they start to take the steps of they read the right books or they hire the right coach the moment that there is possibly going to be some really high impact change happening, subconscious mind kicks in because that feels like a threat to what it knows to be true. And our brains like things the way they are. They, it, our brain hates change. So when there's a perceived change and that perceived change feels like it's going to threaten a belief that's so deeply held, what do you know? Your subconscious mind throws up all those markers and it, it comes out of self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, if you're somebody who has felt unlovability and then you get into like a great relationship, you tank it. You find a way to destroy it because it conflicts so deeply with what you believe. So asking for help is probably the hardest part because you have to override that um that like self-sabotage mode, right? You have to just, when people talk about like leap and the net will appear, well, yeah, leaping means finding the courage to face that fear and do it anyway. Be like, yep, I've come as far as I can on my own. I'm making a decision, an active decision, taking ownership of my life. I don't want to feel like this anymore. Who's going to help me? That's probably the hardest part. Courage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely courage. Yeah. Good call. Fear and um, just having the courage to try something different. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also written down manifestation because I'm Mm. wondering if there were certain things that you have in your life now that had come from these manifestations or goals or visions that you would have had earlier on in your life to what you had hoped for. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. But people aren't in, this is like a sweeping generalization, but so forgive me, but most people don't understand manifesting like at all. Mm-hmm. They think they understand it and they talk about it and they use it on Instagram and they, they sure like to meme about it, but very few people understand it. And what, and it, like, by no means am I a manifesting expert, but you know, the insights that I have professionally and also in my own life, for sure, for sure, is that thinking positively about something is bullshit unless what you're thinking about aligns with your values. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you if it aligns with your values, excellent. If it aligns with your subconscious beliefs, excellent. Then you get this analogy of, you know, we talk a lot in that like law of attraction about fine tuning the radio dial, like tuning into the right frequency. Mm-hmm. Yes, when you're tuned into that frequency, absolutely you get this like magnetic attraction quality for sure. But if you are somebody who's just thinking positively, it doesn't work because you're ignoring the deeply held subconscious stuff. And if you've been avoiding your feelings of like, oh my God, the reason I don't have a million bucks in the bank or a hundred bucks in the bank is because it conflicts with with a value or a belief that I have that I won't ever have money, right? When you have the courage 
to ask for help and you have the courage to be incredibly honest with yourself about what you're actually feeling, that's when you can heal that stuff. And when it is healed, or at least on the path to healing, that's what helps you align with your values. And when you're aligned with your values, that's when you start to fine tune this radio frequency dial that taps you in to actually calling in all the right things in your life. Mm -hmm. I'm literally sitting here nodding my head like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, you got it. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's true, you know, like, it's so funny to me. Here's a a great example. I'm at my dining room table, okay, as Mm -hmm. we record this. And, And I can see this amazing sectional from article that I have, like, had an actual crush on. Like, I used to go to article.com and check in on my couch. And I call it, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as, like, the big daddy couch of our house. Mm -hmm. And it's so comfortable and so luxurious. And I crushed on it for, I don't know, two years. And now it's in my living room. That's worth celebrating. Because I took an idea that I had, and it's just simple. It's just a sofa. But I took an idea, and I made it appear. So for any old subconscious stuff that tells me I can't have what I want, well, now I have conscious proof sitting in my living room of like, well, I had an idea of a sofa and now I'm sitting on it versus mm-hmm. like, well, I had an idea that I was going to marry somebody who looks like Ben Affleck and has like all the right personality characteristics and, uh, and wealth of Ben Affleck. It's like when there's a part of me that's triggered of like, you could never have that. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let me see what I can do about that. So it, it's not, I don't think it's as simple as just thinking about what you want and calling it in. There's so much alignment mm-hmm. that has to happen. And for that alignment to happen, you have to sort through so much other stuff to get clear on what it is you want. So what personal practices did you need to develop in this waking up phase to kind of set you up to where you're at now? Another really good question. Um, So I call this process emotional alchemy. And and again, I've written extensively about this on Instagram. I've done my own podcast about it. And it definitely has like a lengthy section in my book Mm -hmm. because people like systems and they want to know step by step. So for me, it has been... It hasn't necessarily, it's been like a very fluid practice. So when I, you know, I used to be like a super judgmental negative person, which I don't even, I can't even believe that to be true because of who I am now. But there was this old self who was so scared and so insecure and so desperate to be loved that it it all came out as like intense judgment and intense negativity. Mm -hmm. So when I was, that was like this first thing that I had to transition out of. So I started teaching myself how to practice gratitude. Mm -hmm. Well, when I no longer had to practice gratitude, I just was grateful. Mm -hmm. Then I was ready for the next step. And what that next step looked like for me was setting intentions. So when my you know, emotions were totally deregulated and I had no idea how to kind of take control over how I even felt or even that that was even a thing. Mm-hmm. I would wake up every day and I'd be like, today I will respond with grace. So when something would trigger me and I would start to feel angry, I would take a big breath and I'd be like, today I will respond with grace. And, you know, it, it was that simple. It was that complicated. I just mm-hmm. did that until I didn't have to think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, when I used to look in the mirror and be like, you are such an idiot. Of course, nobody's ever going to love you because look what you did. You sent them that text. Are you kidding? Do you know how they're going to respond to you? Like that's where my head was at. So I had to uncondition myself yeah. to now look at myself in the mirror and be like, hey, you did your best today. I was so proud of the way you handled it. I know that was hard for you and I know you didn't get the results you wanted, but I also know that you're going to try again tomorrow. Well, I don't have to talk to myself like that in a conscious way because that's just how I talk to myself now, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. like, it's been this unfolding process of, I guess, coming home to myself. Like this is, this is the work that I do because I've lived it so intimately on my own Mm -hmm. that it's, it's such an unfolding process of just coming back to who you are at your core. Yeah, it's such an awareness. And that is step yeah. one is if you're able to bring an awareness to your thought process, to your yeah. thought patterns, to the the emotions that you're experiencing, as soon as you can acknowledge it, you're yeah. able to shift it. So yeah, self-awareness is a, is a big one. Totally. And you know how some people, and maybe you've experienced this too, I think most of us do, 
we have friends, right? Mm-hmm. And we've got this friend group and sometimes, you know, like you and I talk and it's like, oh, that was such a great conversation. Like mm-hmm. I feel so light and awesome. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, you know, you connect with somebody else. Maybe you've been friends forever. Maybe you've only been friends for a few months, whatever. You leave that conversation. You're like, oh my God, I just want to go to bed. Mm-hmm. Like I feel so drained. When you start drawing your awareness to when I'm with Susie, I feel like a million bucks. When I'm with Jesse, I feel like shit. Well, I'm going to start paying attention to that because I don't know about you. I don't want to feel like shit. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things in my life I can control. Like maybe I just won't hang out with Jesse anymore because I don't like how I feel when mm-hmm. I'm with her. That's a courageous act, but it's something that we generalize self-care, but that's, that's literal care of self. If you watched a kid who was being treated unkindly, you would suggest to that kid, they maybe go and find a different friend group. Well, guess what, sister? Like if you don't feel like you're supported in your life, let's start to take a cold, hard look at who you surround yourself with and maybe where some of that is being um, exacerbated, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm writing down so many little things. I'm like, I'm going to ask her about this and I'm going to ask her about this. <laughs> <laughs> because so what I was going to say, my next scratch, scratch note on, on my notepad here mm. was A lot of times when we are making those shifts in our lives that might include cutting someone out or cutting out a pattern Mm -hmm. or cutting out a destination or or some sort of process that we have or participate in, Mm -hmm. it can be exhausting and it can also be something that we overthink and can Mm -hmm. kind of throw us off balance for a bit. So then that was going to lead into a question of in what ways do you help maintain balance in your own life? Do you have any personal practices that help you be your best self? I mean, my only, this sounds really trite and I don't mean it to, but my only practice is, is constant listening to my own needs. And Mm. sometimes, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that looks like meditation. Sometimes it looks like going for a walk and getting fresh air for sure. But my, like, I don't have, I actually, it makes me really uncomfortable or sometimes nervous when people are like, every day I get up and I have my smoothie and I have my workout and it's like, hang on a second, are you actually overreaching for a routine to create safety? And it's like, there's a slippery slope there, right? So yes, practices are really good if you're doing them for the right reasons that align with with who you are and what you value. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really love structure and routine, but I can't cling to it because then when that structure and routine doesn't work, then I get tanked by that. So instead, I've just taught myself how to listen to myself and really check in with how am I feeling today? What do I need? How do I best support myself? Mm -hmm. Very similarly to how I parent. How are you doing? How do you feel? How can I best support you right now? I do that for myself. That's very powerful. Like you say, it's so simple, but it's specific. It's very specific. Uh, Interesting because so a lot of the conversations that I've been having with friends of mine or other people that I've been speaking with for the podcast, Mm -hmm. I've been trying to just kind of see, you know, I'm curious, what are people doing that are helping them maintain some sort of normalcy in this new normal? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think some people are just more naturally well equipped with strategies or with personal practices that are aligned with their values that are helping them stay above water or at least float within. Mm -hmm. Uh, And others might be struggling. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe there are some baby steps that you could offer listeners of some sort that are general, obviously, because as I know, when you work with individuals or in group sessions, yeah, you know, you're, you're really working with an individual, but do you think that there's an overall type thing that someone, anyone could try to implement in their life in this pandemic that may benefit yeah. them when it comes to self-regulation? Well, I was kind of joking with you like before we started recording that I swear to God, if I pick up my phone one more time and somebody else on Instagram is telling me how I should feel or how I should be spending this time, I'm going to like go ballistic. And so I'm so sensitive to that that I'm like, but also listen to what I have to say because it'll help. If this this helps you, great. If this isn't for you, then it isn't for you. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, overwhelmingly, listen to what your needs are. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my, um, one of my clients teases me because she's like, how are you wearing jeans every day? Like, do you think you're an overachiever? And I'm like, oh my God, no, I have to get up and I have to treat every day like its own day. That really works for me because otherwise if the days all blend together, that conflicts with my basic human need for, for structure and routine. And Mm -hmm. sorry, we all crave that. That is a part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. We have this need for order. So how I create order to honor myself is by doing that. And I kind of joke that like, for me, that looks like, well, it's Monday, therefore we're having 
pasta. It's Tuesday, therefore we're having tacos. It's Friday, therefore we're having pizza movie night. And, you know, every day I get up and I put on my clothes clothes, like my work clothes. And then on Saturday, I stay in my sweatpants all day. Mm-hmm. You know, or on Saturday, I wear like my fun clothes. But on like yeah. Monday to Friday, even though I've always worked from home, I still put on my like work professional clothes because it makes me feel amazing. Mm-hmm. And when I do that and I brush my hair and I brush my teeth and maybe I swipe on a little mascara, I feel like myself and I feel so productive. And um so supportive. Like my I have the service-based business. So when I'm showing up fully as me, I feel so grounded and then I can Mm -hmm. show up as myself. If I'm like taking a phone call and like my mascara from last night is still kind of smeared across my face and my track pants and my hair is a disaster, I don't deliver in the same way. And frankly, I feel like I owe my clients and my family and myself better than that. So that's what I have to do. Now, what I would say to people is that this will work for you, period, if you're open to it. But you know, there's like some people aren't open to it. But Again, nothing changes, nothing changes. So if you're having a really hard time coping, well, maybe we stop doing the things that you've been doing and we start looking for strategies that support you specifically. If you feel like it's going to be too stressful to get up and get dressed every day, okay, let's take awareness of that and let's ask why. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm seeing or what I'm certainly observing a lot on other people's feeds or other people's messages, it's like, oh man, I don't know what day it is and I'm feeling so depressed and I haven't got out of my pajamas in three weeks. It's like, yeah, have you noticed a correlation here? Mm -hmm. There's a reason you feel like shit. Like you're not actually doing anything Mm -hmm. to support your basic human needs. And like, I'm not saying that to be the heavy hitter here, but it's true. Mm -hmm. What works for you? If you feel awesome when you're walking around in your yoga pants and your hair is a mess, cool, do that. But if you don't feel awesome about that, then you have to start asking why and start looking for solutions to change that around, you know? Yeah. And what you put on, on your body and in your body is very much something you're in control of. So that's an easy way to start for sure. Well, and then same thing, we're all figuring out how to, even as somebody who works from home, it's still different to have my kids here with me. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we co-parent because we're divorced and that looks a little bit different now than it did before. So there's mm-hmm. been an adaptation and a pivot there that has, has become the new normal for our family. When you're open to the notion that we are all designed to evolve, we're all designed to like, everything changes, nothing is permanent. When you can start to make peace with that, you stop fighting and you start going with the flow of things. Cause it's like, all right, this is happening. I didn't see it coming and I don't want it to be happening, but it is in a minute. So how am I going to make this my own? What's that going to look like for my family? Well, it's not going to look like my kids sitting around watching TV for eight hours a day because it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's not going to look like me having the same kind of work schedule that I had before because that isn't going to work. So what is going to work? You know, Mm -hmm. I believe heavily that balance isn't really balance. It's blend. It's a blend of these different pillars of your life that make you feel balanced overall. But balance is also a moving target. So what works for you in January isn't going to be the same thing that works for you by May and being very open to that, that like, cool, I found a system that makes me feel that this blend that I have going on does feel balanced in my life. When it starts to not work, let it go, baby, and adopt something else, you know, like that's a successful strategy, just being open to the flow of change in your life, right? Mm -hmm. Has there been anything in particular that the COVID-19 pandemic everything going on in the world has taught you? Uh, Yeah, I think that me specifically, yes, it totally revealed other stuff that I thought I had healed that I hadn't healed Mm -hmm. that I had to then go and heal, right? And I think that that's been really illuminating for me as a person and as a professional because overall, what I believe it has done for people on a very basic level is brought to the surface these old, deep, dark, shadowy places that we either didn't know existed or we didn't want to know existed or we kind of knew existed, but we didn't want to deal with them Mm -hmm. or we kind of knew they existed and we'd kind of dealt with them, but we now have to go a little further. It feels to me like everybody's walking around with an invisible sign around their neck that's like, hello, I am deeply afraid of change or hello, my name is Lisa and I am Mm -hmm. terrified I will never be loved. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think we're all walking around with those vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. And I think that does two things. It alerts us to the fact that it gives us this feedback that there's something that needs to be healed. And it up levels our compassion that other people are also having their own experience. Yes. And that when we start to come at our human interactions and communication skills mm-hmm. with a more compassionate lens, 
we are really doing everybody a favor here because that's kind of how we should be treating each other. Like from this sympathetic place of, hey, I understand you must be going through something. I'm not going to project my stuff onto you now. I'm just going to really appreciate that we're having a conversation. We're not fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that we're all in this together. We are experiencing different things, but essentially we're all dealing with the same big, ugly pandemic. Yeah. We're just weathering it differently. Yeah. And at different times, mm-hmm. right? Because Exactly. Oh my yeah. gosh. I honestly, yeah. it took me weeks to grasp what was going on yeah. because I was living in a house with five, now six other people, right? And so I was busy. I was getting back into my job. I was helping students. There was like, there was just always something to do. And then a couple weeks into this, you know, lockdown, shutdown, isolation period, I hit weary. Uh, And I just had to sit with that. And I kind of had said to my sister, I'm probably going to be spending a little bit more time by myself for the next little while because I just need to be with this and I need to digest and some things are coming up that I need to address. Like, just bear with me. And she's like, all good, Amanda. Like, I obviously have a lot on my plate as well. She now has an eight. Well, when this goes out, I don't know how old (laughs) he's going to be, but he's brand spanking new. He's very tiny, very cute. Right. So there's, there's a lot of shift going on here. And I really appreciated and respected the fact. So Allison and I only until recently have... We've recently started communicating quite well. Uh, as we were growing up, it was never really a thing. She and I are very, very different. On some levels, we're so the same. And other levels, we're very different. And I need to communicate. I need to talk. And Allison's like, nope. Like, just button it. Suppress. Deal with it on her own time. She has very thick skin, but she's super emotional. But she hides it, right? So, yeah. so when we were trying to discuss things, I mean, we might view things differently or she might be able to just say, Amanda, just drop it. Like, stop letting it bother you. And I'm like, no, but that's not how I work. <laughs> I overthink yeah. everything. I really take everything to heart. And so we just deal with things differently. So the other day we had a very good heart-to-heart and her husband, Joe, was involved. And we just talked about it. We're like, look... Let's have this honest, open conversation. We are all taking on a lot right now and that's okay. You know, we're trying not to step on each other's toes. We don't want to feel like we're walking on eggshells. We want to be able to communicate openly so that we understand each other best. And it was the most beautiful conversation. I walked away from that going, I didn't realize I was holding my breath that whole time. And now I can breathe, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Conversation and communication is so damn important. And so powerful, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. When you park your ego and you and you just realize that you're coming together to solve a problem together, yeah. mm-hmm. then people only win when they win together, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. I love to wrap up my episodes with my guests with a couple deep dive questions. Sure. So what are you most proud of? Oof. What am I most proud of? I don't know. I think I'm really proud of my own personal evolution. I really am. Mm-hmm. I've come a long way in kind of a short period of time, and I'm really proud of the woman I've become. I love that, Lise. That's really beautiful. <laughs> As you should be, because you are incredible. You are a powerhouse. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What would you like to be known for? Mm. What would I like to be known for? Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't really know. I. <sighs> I don't know how to answer that. Yeah, it's tough on it. Um, eh? I think I'd like to be known as a thought leader. Ooh, ooh, I love, I love that. The <laughs> thought leader. I was like, here's me being like, you have so many different things that you could say right now, especially because we haven't even talked about your book, which I'm going to ask you about at the end. Sure. Your book, you know, the TV show that you're going to be on that's got changes, like yeah. all of these things. So I'm like, okay, what do you want to be known for? Uh, the yeah. the thought leader. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> I love it. You know what? That actually might be the title of this episode. Not going to lie. Ooh. The Thought I Leader. Ooh, me too. Okay. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> I also oh, just love talking to you every board. time. <laughs> okay. And if you had one message for our listeners, what would it be? Um, all you have to do is be yourself. Mm. It's simple. It's complicated. It sounds really trite. It's going to make a lot of people feel angry. If it makes you feel angry, you really need to examine where that anger comes from because mm-hmm. it, it, it's that simple. You just need to be who you are. I love that. Okay. You have a book coming out in October. You have a podcast that is on fire and you are yes. all over social media. Can you give us the <laughs> details? 
<laughs> yes. You are so supportive. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate yeah, it. Of course. Um, okay. So my podcast is To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. It just hit top 50 in Canada oh, on yeah. iTunes. Get I it, hit girl. number one in the Cayman Islands and currently number seven in Estonia. So we are like making <laughs> some international. These are games. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, the podcast is awesome. It, I used to write a blog and sometimes I still do, but the podcast really has become like this spoken blog. It's very informative. It's very high impact. It's conversations people really want to be having, mm-hmm. but they don't even know they can like have them. So it's a it's a cool resource. Um, I am on a TV show this summer that we're filming. If everything goes to plan, which I'm hoping it will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called The Social Movement, and I'm, I'm on season two. So we're bringing together 50 experts in their field from across the world who are then broken up into teams. They're each given a real-world problem to solve, like literacy, education, how to stop a pandemic, how to raise education and awareness for heart disease. And then after we come up with those solutions – by our our teams of expertise, we pitch the solutions to investors who have the financial means to implement them. It's so badass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, so I've been following this one along and I cannot wait for season one to come out this summer. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. And and then the book is uh, To Call Myself Beloved, A Story of Hope, Healing, and Coming Home. Um, I'm actually going to make it available for pre-sale on my website, lisewilcox.ca, for my birthday. Hey, we are <laughs> so a tourist too, which is coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah. So May 11th and... Um, I don't know when this is going to air, but yeah, it should be available by May 11th, which is also Mother's Day, which I think is really nice to either do something for yourself or to share it with your own mom or somebody who else, you know, has somebody who has kids. It's a how-to guide of how did everything we've talked about here today. Mm-hmm. This is the guide that I was so desperate to find when I was going through this waking up process in my life and I couldn't find it. So instead I dropped tens of thousands of dollars in my own healing, my own healing modalities, you know, to the point that my peace is the most valuable thing I own. And it was worth every penny without question. This book kind of takes a shortcut for people because I've put together all the resources that I've used and synthesized them in my own unique voice from my own unique lens with all of the NLP, EFT education background that I possess. Mm -hmm. Guess what, Lise? What? I get to decide when these episodes come out. And my birth- yeah, yeah. my birthday's May 10th and yours is May oh 11th. Yeah. So let's do it. This is going to come out on May 11th. Wicked. It is going to be just for you, my friend. Well, I guess for, for the world as well, but just for you. Uh, That's so awesome. And I will make sure that I link all of these cool links in the bottom of the Thank podcast you. notes. So for anyone listening, you can just scroll down to the podcast notes and click the links and they will take you exactly where you need to go. Thank you. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I just appreciate you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lise. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Lise, happy freaking birthday. The caliber of our conversations every time we talk makes me so grateful that our paths have crossed. I learn something new from you every day and I love being able to bring such powerful messages forward and into the world. To my listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Safe Haven. If this podcast hit you right in the heart space, which I'm sure it did, I strongly encourage that you reach out to Lise. Follow her on Instagram and check out her latest posts and stories. I can guarantee you won't regret it. A simple way that you can help this podcast grow is to screenshot your podcast screen while you're listening to this podcast and then share it with your friends via social media. Be sure to tag us so that we can personally thank you for it. You can find The Safe Haven on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to check out frequencypodcastnetwork.com for more incredible podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next week.